Good morning. It's good to see everybody out on a beautiful Lord's Day. We're so glad you're here. And if you're visiting with, with us for the first time, uh, welcome. And uh, if you're joining us via live stream, we're glad you're here. We want you to know that here at East LJ, we have been captivated by Christ through the gospel. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have seen the goodness and grace of God, and we have been captivated by Him. And we pray that today you would see the beauty of Jesus and be captivated by Him as well. I want to give a thank you to our welcome team. They greet folks that are with us for the first time week in and week out and, and get them situa- help get them situated. So thank you, welcome team, for your ministry. And by the way, the welcome team is always looking for uh, new members and help there, so uh, see someone there at the welcome desk if you would like to serve in that way. On this Memorial Day weekend, we want to remember uh, the men and women who have given their lives in the service of our country to preserve the freedoms that we enjoy today. We're so thankful for uh, all of those, and so this morning we'll pray in just a few minutes. We want to pray, uh, praise God for that. Also, we want to pray for the families of those who's Loved ones never came home and, um, in the service of our, our country and our, our freedom. Would you stand with me as you read from God's Word? Romans chapter 15, verse 13. This will be our text for the morning. Paul writes and he says, May the God of hope, he's praying here for the Romans, for the Roman church, for, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What a powerful prayer that is. Anybody need joy today? Anybody lacking peace this morning? How many of us are abounding in hope? We'll be talking more about that later. The truth of the matter is, in Jesus Christ, we can have all of that. We can live uh, that verse out. God wants this for our lives. And I'm so thankful that we know the gospel, that we know Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you know him, aren't you thankful that you know him? And yet so many of our neighbors, people we know, family members, friends, co-workers, don't know the joy, the peace, the overflowing hope that's ours in Christ. And, And there's nations all around the world, people groups all over the world, Uh, who've yet to hear uh, the truth and and embrace the truth about Jesus. This morning we want to pray for uh, an interesting people group, the Yehudic Jews of Israel. These are Jews who uh, had had left Israel, lived in Iraq for years and years, centuries and centuries, and have come back to Israel. About 100,000 people among whom there are no known believers. So we want to pray for them. Would you join me as we pray? Father, how we praise you that you are the God of hope. Thank you that in, when we put our faith in Jesus, Lord, you do fill us with all joy and peace in trusting Him. And Lord, if we'll walk in your ways and believe your word, you will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, cause hope to overflow from our lives. What a salvation is ours. Lord Jesus, what a Savior you are. How great is your name. We praise you for all that you've done for us. And we do it, we praise you for the glory of your name. You alone deserve the glory. 
Father, today we pray for our neighbors and the nations. We pray for those that we know and interact with that need to hear about you. Make us bold and full of enough love, Lord, to, to share the good news of Jesus. Lord, we pray for the Yehudic Jews of Israel. We pray, God, that the gospel would penetrate this people group, that the truth of Jesus, not just what they've heard about Christianity, but, God, the truth of their Messiah would be known. God, today we also want to pray for a, a number of people. We lift up Ginger Holder. We continue to pray and praise you on behalf of Kathy Abernathy. Thank you for answered prayer there, Father. We pray for Randy Piper and Jim Brooks. Uh, Lord, thank you for answered prayer, but we do continue to lift up Mayford MacArthur as he continues in the hospital. We pray for Denise Key, for Kathy Rickert, who began some treatments this weekend, some infusions. God, we continue to pray for Christina Crunkleton, even as we praise you for answered prayer on behalf of uh, her son, Walker. Uh, Lord, we pray for J uh, Joyce Foster, Pam Aldridge. We pray for Sheila Miller's Aunt Doris. God, how we pray you would give comfort to the family of Kelvin Ford and to the family of Chris Brooks. We continue to pray for Craig Hammontree. God, we pray for David Carmichael, who will be having surgery this week. Lord, we thank you for Joe Hensley as he leads us in worship this morning. We pray for him as he has a PET scan on Thursday. Lord, we pray for, continue to pray for Helen Pinson. Thank you for uh, good improvement. Pray that she would be able to get to um, the rehab place this week. And God, we lift up Jeff Ellington's mother, Betty Rapson, today. Lord, so many... I thank you that you know, you see, and you are present with each and every one. God, give each one of these a sense of your presence. We pray that, God, if you would, we know you can. We pray if you would, God, intervene and bring supernatural healing. Do that, that others might know the glory of Christ and the beauty of Christ. Father, in other cases, give wisdom to doctors and, in, and perseverance and, and, and hope to those that are, are suffering. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be together in your presence. Thank you that none of us is here just by happenstance, but you have a divine appointment for us in this, in this hour. You want to speak to us. You want to change us. And so, God, we, we submit our hearts to you. We pray that you would work in our lives, and that you would do just that. Thank you, Father, and may Christ be exalted even as we worship now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in song. We're glad you joined us this morning. We're going to start with uh, Your Grace is Enough, one of my favorites ever.
Jesus. 
Jason leads us. Yeah. 
Y'all can be seated. Father, thank you that that is who you are. Our good, good Father. Our Father who is full of grace. Grace that sent your Son to live, die, and rise from the dead in our place for our salvation. Lord Jesus, your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. We thank you that because you rose from the dead and live today, we have a living hope. Indeed, Lord Jesus, you are our living hope. And I thank you that no matter where we find ourselves, we can overflow in hope. Lord, we need a reminder of this today. We need hope. We need to be reminded of the hope we have. We need to figure out how to better walk in the hope you've given us in Christ. And oh God, we live in a world that is desperate for true, everlasting, life-changing hope. So speak to us as your people. Speak to any in this place who do not have eternal hope in Christ. And use us to overflow your hope into the lives of those around us. Come be our teacher now, we pray. We need you. We need you to teach us. We need you to carry us through these moments that follow, even as you have thus far. Thank you for your presence, Father. Thank you for your work in our midst. Come now and teach us, we pray. And as you teach us, transform us by the truth. All for your name's sake, we ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll be dismissed to Children's Church, and as they're making their way out, I'd invite you to turn with, your, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And in just a moment, we'll be looking at verse 13. It's been said that man can live about 40 days without water or without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Our hearts need hope. We need something real to hope in. It's the way we were created, and we were created that way so that we would look to God, even Jesus as our hope. And yet, it seems that hope is in short supply in our world. Wouldn't you agree? Back in 2016, there was an article in Time Magazine entitled, When Fear Goes Viral. The author of the article wrote, We're in a flood stage of anger and suspicion. By the way, if that was true in 2016, what's happened in the last seven years? He reported that 
72% of Americans at that time say they are angry and uncertain about the future. And then the author commented, based on numerous interviews with people doing this survey, what I hear most is, people are scared. And again, if that was true in 2016, living through a pandemic and now this side of a pandemic in a crazy world today, how much more true is it in 2023? Well, I can tell you, from an article dated February the 26th of this year, we're told that according to a new poll from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, teenagers in America are experiencing an unprecedented mental health crisis. 29% of boys and 57% of girls reported, reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. Almost one-third of teenage boys and over half of teenage girls reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. Pastor Trey, you see it week in and week out. And I believe it's perhaps almost as true among adults. So here's the question as we start this morning. What fills your heart most often? Fear or hope? Be honest before God. God knows anyway. Be honest with yourself. What fills your heart most often? Fear or hope? Max Licato says, When fear shapes our lives... Safety and control become our gods. When fear shapes our lives, safety and control become our gods. And then our lives are severely limited to ourselves. We're not free to do the two things for which we've been created. That is to love God and to love others because we're so self-absorbed with our fears. But... Hope is closer than it appears. You, your, your mirror on your cars say objects are closer than they appear. Hear me today. Even in this kind of world that we've been talking about, hope is closer than you think. And in contrast, as Renee Schlepfer says, to a freaked out world Christian, we can be people of joyful hope. We can be. Do you believe that? Is that really possible? Maybe you've gotten to the place today where you're not sure if it's really possible anymore. Things have gotten so bad in your life. Things are so difficult. As I was looking ahead toward today and just going through this last week, I, I, I don't have time and can't, can't even tell you all the stories. Our, our church family is being hit from all different directions. There are so many things that, can, that are happening to our, our brothers and sisters that could rob you of hope. So is it even really possible to be people of joyful hope in such a freaked out world? I want to talk to you this morning about overflowing hope. Overflowing hope. Not just hope. Stay with me. It's not good enough just to have hope. 
we are created in Christ to have overflowing hope. And so from Romans 15, verse 13, the truth I want you to take home is this. Resting in God's grace gives us abounding hope in Jesus that is stronger than fear. Here is the verse again, Romans 15, verse 13 from the English Standard Version. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Man, what a beautiful prayer that is. The same verse from the New International Version. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, if you break that verse down, what that verse is saying, according to this verse... God fills us with joy and peace, all joy and peace, in fact, as we trust in Him, and the result of that place is that we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when it says, as we trust in Him, what are we trusting Him about? What's Paul saying we should be trusting Him about? Well, I'd say the goal is to trust Him in everything, amen? To trust Him in everything, with everything. But particularly in this passage, in the context of the book of Romans, the focus is on our salvation in Jesus, trusting Christ as our Savior, and then experiencing all the joy and peace that God's grace and and, and mercy brings to us. Then, God's joy and peace concerning our past and our present fills our hearts even to overflowing with hope for the future as the Holy Spirit helps us. You see, resting in God's grace, according to Romans 15, 13, gives us abounding hope in Jesus that is greater than fear. One more translation of the verse, and then we're, we're going to get going. Romans 15, verse 13 from the New Living Translation. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that describe your life? Your Monday through Saturday. (laughs) Even your Sunday. Resting in God's grace gives us abounding hope in Jesus that's stronger than fear. Do we have and live in this kind of hope? Well, maybe you say, nope, not even close. Maybe your answer would be sometimes. Uh, Maybe you would say, even most of the time. Well, we need to ask the question, how? How is such overflowing hope possible? I mean, I mean, let's just be real. When we read Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope give us all this stuff, it just sounds like a, a, a great wish, doesn't it? A great thing to wish for, to, to hope for in that wishful sense of hope. But how? I want you to consider with me this morning three truths about God's grace. That's the source of our hope in Jesus that produce and sustain overflowing hope in our hearts. Three truths about God's grace in Jesus that produce and sustain 
overflowing hope in our hearts. First of all, resting in God's grace gives us hope because grace gives forgiveness. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Does anybody need forgiveness from God? Okay, some of you are slow, or your arm, you have a bad shoulder or something. Everyone needs forgiveness from holy God because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. There is no hope if we are left alone in our sin because God is holy. And yet God sent His Son to redeem us through His blood shed on the cross that God who is holy might forgive us of all of our trespasses. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2 says it this way, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God is holy, we are not. Therefore, we are enemies of God. We are His enemy. He is our enemy on the, on the legal plane, on the, on the spiritual plane. Because of our sin, we've offended Him. But if we've come to Jesus and trusted Him, if we've come and taken the grace God offers us in Christ, then the Bible says we can be justified, we can be declared righteous, and what that brings is peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. If I've trusted Jesus, do you know where I stand and, and, and cannot be moved from standing? In grace. My position is always standing on the bedrock of God's grace. How does God see me even when I fall into sin, when I choose to sin? He still extends grace to me because He's fixed me forever on the solid rock even of Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, if God's placed me in a place, an eternal place of grace, then that gives me eternal hope. There's never a time I can't have and enjoy the hope that God's given me. This is the reality of our justification. There's a, a song called Stronger. Some of the lyrics go this way. There is love that came for us. Humbled to a sinner's cross, you broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again victorious. You are stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. Jesus, you have saved me. That's what's happened in the life of a believer. God brings grace, gives forgiveness. God has given us forgiveness through His grace in Jesus so that if we've been forgiven, Romans 8 verse 1 is true of us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You may have wondered a while ago when I said if when God... When we trust Christ, God puts us on, 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 a, on, a, on a rock of grace. We are standing on that bedrock. We, we are never not in the grace of God. You may have wondered if that was actually true. Here, here, here it tells you. Paul's real clear. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Never again will God condemn me for my sins because Christ paid for my sins. 
I said, never again will God condemn me for my sins that keep happening in my life. Because Christ paid for all my sins. Now that's something to wake up about and get excited about. Amen? Listen, grace gives forgiveness. And hope starts to build. 1 John 4 verse 18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, the word hope is not used in 1 John 4, 18, but let me tell you, there's hope all in that. Let's read that again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If I know that God the Father loves me, that He is forever committed to relating to me in love because Jesus paid for my sin and gave me His righteousness, I'm as fully accepted in, in, in Christ as Christ is accepted by the Father. God sees me as righteous as His Son. Then that kind of love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. That is I fear if I'm not not assured and convinced that I'm loved, forgiven. And what replaces fear? Well, knowing the love of God drives out fear and fills my heart with what, do you think? Based on other passages we've already read today. Hope. Hey, you are awake. Praise the Lord. That's good math, too. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When I live as a child of God, with fear overflowing my heart more than I live with hope overflowing my heart, you know what that tells me about me? I am choosing to forget the gospel. I am choosing to not remember Jason that God has, is, has made, made himself to be my, my good, good father. I'm forgetting what he said about me because of what Jesus did for me. And I'm allowing fear to rule in my heart when it doesn't have to. If you have peace with the Holy One who made you, if you've been made a child of God by adoption through faith in Jesus, then fear does not have to rule your heart. Indeed, Fear should not rule your heart because you are loved and forgiven by your Father who is sovereign over all. You see, grace gives forgiveness. And that that gets us to the place, God's grace, resting in that grace, that grace that brings forgiveness, gives us abounding hope in Jesus that is stronger than fear. But secondly... Resting in God's grace gives us hope because grace not only gives forgiveness, grace gives strength. How many of you ever wake up and just think, I need strength? By the way, that's also a universal thing. Just like the need for forgiveness, we all need strength. Because as hard as we try to be strong, we ain't. It's that simple. We are weak and we need God. Grace gives strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Paul here has been talking about the thorn in his flesh and how he's prayed three times for for God to take it away. 
But he, Jesus, said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. We just sang it, Joe. Your grace is enough. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, that's what Jesus says about the matter. Jesus said, I'm not taking the thorn away. I'm not changing your life circumstances. I'm not making it feel like you want it to feel. But here's what I'm going to tell you. My grace, right where you are, is sufficient for you, for my power. It's not about your power. You don't have any power. Is made My power is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul said, if that's what Jesus said, that's what Jesus said. And if that's what Jesus said, then here's, here's what I can deduce from that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, none of us in our humanness likes weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Is there anybody that likes any of those things? No. But Paul says, and Paul didn't like them. But Paul says... I'm content with them. Because in those things, that is the place where my weakness is made clear. And in my weakness, when I find myself in those circumstances, that is where I can freely say to God, God, I am weak. I have to have your help. I can't go through this persecution without you. I can't deal with this weakness, this calamity, this hardship by myself. And Jesus, you say that your grace is sufficient, that your power is made perfect in my weakness, then Jesus, make your power, make it known now, because I'm weak, and only you are strong. You see, grace gives strength. Do we live in that strength? It's there for us. It's part of God's salvation given to us in Christ. Again, that song, Stronger. Faithfulness none can deny through the storm and through the fire. There is truth that sets me free. Jesus Christ who lives in me. Grace gives forgiveness. That's our justification. Grace Grace gives whatever this is I'm trying to talk about. You ever have those moments? It just happened. I have no idea what the word I'm looking at. Strength. That's the thing we're talking about. I had, I had God's grace is sufficient for me, but I just couldn't think of the, the word. This is the reality of our sanctification, where God in our daily lives gives strength for the moment, for the temptation, for the obedience. For the perseverance and hope when life is hopeless. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image that is of Christ from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is what God is doing in our lives. He is helping us grow. He is changing us little by little by His Spirit through the Word 
He's helping us live in weakness that Christ's power might be seen in our lives. You want to know what it is to mature in Christ? It's that right there. It's living more consistently, boasting in your weaknesses that the power of Christ can be at work in your life. You know, sometimes we have this messed up, it's really a legalistic, pharisaic view of sanctification or, or maturity in Christ. And basically it goes like this, uh, we, that, that we just get better and better. That we don't have, we don't, we're not as needy as a Christian. That's just, that's, that is as anti-gospel of a perspective on spiritual maturity as there could possibly be. You know, the most mature believers I know, you know what they know? They know better than I know how sinful they are and how much they need Jesus every hour. And he's there. He wants to change us. He is at work to change us. Philippians 1 verse 6, I love this. Grace gives strength. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God saved me a long time ago as a child. But I'm so thankful that that work he began in me, he is committed to carry it on to completion. In fact, the reason I'm still standing in the faith is not because I'm a pastor, not because I've got a lot of faith. My faith is weak as water sometimes. But because he who began a good work in me has committed to me to carry that work on, even to completion under the day of Christ Jesus. You see, grace brings strength. God is not done with me yet. He's committed to making me more like Jesus, little by little, day by day, even until Jesus comes. And because of that, there's hope in my heart. Is there hope in your heart today? Do you see him at work in your life? You see, here's the deal. If he brought you to that place of trusting him for forgiveness and, and justification, being declared righteous in his sight. If that happened in your life and he came to live in you by his spirit, here's the deal, you will see him changing you. Now, does that mean you're not going to have some bad days, even seasons? Does that mean you're just going to suddenly be made perfect? Absolutely not. Not till glory. We'll have our ups and downs. By the way, those ups and downs are about us, not about him. They're about us and our obedience, not about his provision. They're about us. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what they're about. They're about those moments when I decide I'm strong enough to handle it. When I don't boast in my weakness, because when I'm strong enough to handle it, guess what? Christ's power can't be seen in me. I mean, I'm saying to Jesus, I don't really need your power right now. I got this. Listen to me. Spiritually, you ain't never got this. I've never had it. In fact, every time I've tried, I've failed miserably. There's hope in my heart. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is Isaiah 40. I love verses, just the whole passage, but whole chapter, but verses 29 to 31. We're told, we're told here by the prophet about God. And he says of our God, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. 
Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The picture of the word in, in verse 31 where it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their, their strength. Your, your translation may say, will exchange their strength. And, and the idea here is just exactly what we see in 2 Corinthians 12. It's exactly what Paul says. Paul says, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Some upside-down crazy math, right? And so Paul says, what's he going to do? What's, what, what does he say he's going to do? In, in light of what Jesus said is true, my, my power is made perfect in your weakness, so what does Paul say his duty is? I'm going to boast in my weakness. Why? Because that's where Jesus said he'll work and bring power. Isaiah 40, different picture. Everybody's weak. That's pretty much what it says, right? Even the, the young men fall. Everybody's weak. But those who hope in the Lord, those who go to Jesus and say, I'm weak, only you are strong. The prophet says, God through the prophet says, they'll exchange. They'll have, there'll be an exchange that happens. They'll renew their strength. Except it won't be their strength. It'll be his strength. Because, see, people like me and you, we don't, we don't soar like eagles. <laughs> that didn't come natural to us. We don't have that ability, but he makes us soar like eagles. And so suddenly, when that temptation would take us down and wreck us, by the power of Christ at work in us, we can stand. In fact, we can soar like an eagle through that in his power. We can run and not grow weary. Let me tell you something. I gave up running a long time ago. I love hiking. I can even hike at a good pace. But I, 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 unless something's chasing me or somebody I love is in trouble, I don't ever plan to run ever again. And so if, it, if I started running, I'd be weary real quick. You know what, you know what, you know what, God's, what God's saying right here? All of a sudden, he'll make you, I mean, spiritually, we can't run. We don't have it in us. Because of our sin, we're 600 pounds and on the verge of cardiac arrest. That's where we are spiritually. But when we exchange our weakness for his strength, we can run. Up. We're, we're, we're like those Kenyan marathon runners. Run a four-minute mile forever. In the power of Christ. Renee Schlepfer again says, Hope gives wings. Hope in God. Hope in Jesus Christ. Grace gives strength. Resting in God's grace gives us abounding hope in Jesus that is stronger than fear. Well, thirdly and finally this morning, resting in God's grace gives us hope because grace gives certainty for eternity. Grace gives forgiveness. Grace gives strength. And grace gives certainty for eternity. Certainty for eternity. You know what the number one fear in the world across all cultures and all peoples, do you know what the number one fear on planet Earth among human beings is? 
What's that? The fear of death. Hebrews says that Jesus came to rescue those who for their, all their lives are plagued by the fear of death. Grace gives certainty for eternity. Hebrews 6, verses 18 to 20. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. I might get excited. And I hope you get excited. Ephesians 6, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. So God, this is from the New Living Translation, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Just think about that for a second. This is important, so I want us to make sure we get all that's being said. God's given us two layers of assurance. Don't you just love uh, folks in the business world? Don't you just love, um, what's it called, Bessie? Two-layer security on all your computer stuff. So you don't have one thing to remember. You've got to remember two so that you, know, you get into what you need. It's just ridiculous. I'm thankful that God's given me two layers of assurance. His oath, his promise, and his oath. Those can't change because God, if he's God, cannot lie, right? So now let's, let's, let's break this down. You understand what that means, don't you? If God can't lie, you, you understand what that means? Does God need to give us two layers? No. Because if he can't lie, all he's got to do is promise. It's going to happen. He doesn't need to make an oath on top of a promise. So why did he do that? Because he knows we're weak in believing. (laughs) He gave us two layers for us, for our assurance. In addition to the promise that he had given Abraham, if we were to go back to the book of Genesis, he cut a covenant with Abraham. He'd already given him the promise that he was going to, through Abraham, make a nation. That through Abraham, even in his old age, even in Sarah's barrenness, there would be a nation that would be born as, as the sands of the sea. He'd already promised him that. But he came along and cut a covenant, made an oath as a second level of assurance. And back there in Genesis, it says that he put Abraham into a sleep. And then, as was the custom of the day, God took some animals and he split them down the middle. And the way this worked in the Old Testament in those days in that part of the world was when two people entered into a contract, they would, they would do this. They would have these animal parts laid out. They'd have a goat ripped in two, half over here, half over here. Right on down the line, several animals, whatever it was. Normally what would happen is if I was making a contract with Jason, we would both pass through the center. We'd walk down the aisle between the split open animals. And here's what we'd be saying. I'd be saying to Jason, if I don't keep my promise to you, 
my covenant with you. If I don't do what I told you I would do, then may I be like these animals. And then it was Jason's turn. This was serious. And then Jason would be saying to me, if I don't keep my word to you, whatever the agreement, terms of the agreement have been, then may I be like these animals. I'm swearing on my life that I'm going to do what I told you that I would do. But the reason God in this scenario put Abraham to sleep is because, listen, we're Abraham. Abraham and me and you, we can't promise God anything. There's not a promise we can make to God that we don't have the potential and a, and, and a high likelihood of failing to perform on. Furthermore, it's when it comes to salvation, we can do how much toward our own salvation? Zero. So God put Abraham to sleep and revealed this to him in a vision. And, and, and God, only God, passes through the pieces. And he says, Abraham, I told you I'm going to make a nation of you. I told you through you, even through your seed, I'm going to send a Savior. And if I don't do what I've told you, I and I alone would, will do, then may I be like these animal pieces. Therefore, these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. It is not foolish to believe God. He cannot lie. And he's both promised and sworn a covenant that he'll do what he said he'll do. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. You ever feel like you're being blown around by life? You ever feel like your life is, is an absolute typhoon and, and your, your, your boat's in the middle of that mess and you're just getting rocked all over the place? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. You ever wonder if you're going to get there? I mean heaven. You ever wonder, you know the gospel, but sometimes just in the struggle of the Christian life, do you ever wonder if you're going to make it home? This passage is given to put that to rest once and for all. The certainty of God's word is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Get this picture. That anchor leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. We're going to get home. Resting in God's grace gives us abounding hope in Jesus that is stronger than fear. You see, this talks about the reality of our glorification, that one day we will see God's glory up close and in person, and we will be made like Jesus in His presence in heaven. But there's more in this picture in Hebrews 6 that i got to tell you about. 
There's a nautical term used in the sailing world called kedging. Now, I'm not a sailor. I got a boat. Can't hardly drive the thing, but I got a boat, but I'm not a sailor. A kedge anchor is something that's used when a ship is grounded or in tough seas. Remember that picture of your life on stormy waters? Here's what they do with the kedge anchor. Sailors in a small boat will row the kedge anchor as far as they can from the ship in the general direction they want to move ahead. They drop the kedge anchor into the sea way out there in the direction they're wanting to go. Have you heard anything in Hebrews 6 that talks about where we're wanting to go and an anchor being dropped? Someone entering in behind the veil. Stay with me. This is Jesus. He is our anchor. Then, back on board the ship, the sailors start the ship's winch. And they pull the ship through the stormy waters toward the anchors, toward the anchor that's out there in the direction they want to go. It's called kedging the ship. Now, we don't normally think about moving toward an anchor, do we? An anchor, Wes, usually holds our boat in a certain place, certain spot on the lake or down there in the Gulf of Mexico where Wes likes to fish. Why? why you know why? Let me tell you why Wes uses an anchor. Uh, maybe he never uses an anchor, but it, it, I'm sure. Let's just say he uses an anchor. He, you know why? Because that's where the fish are at. He wants to stay right there. He doesn't use his anchor because he's in stormy seas. He's not a sailor. He's a fisherman. That's what we think about when we think about anchors most of the time. But when the storm comes, we need to kedge our way to heaven. And here's the deal we can If we were real sailors on a ship in turbulent seas, we'd understand the benefit of an anchor to, that, to move us forward. And turbulent times are when we've run aground, we need to pull ourselves into God's promises of our glorious future and eternity with the anchor of hope. Here's the full picture. Are you ready? Pay close attention. If you've missed the whole illustration, just listen to this. Jesus is already in heaven's safe harbor. And he has sunk the kedge anchor of his finished work on the cross and his power in the resurrection deep within that bedrock foundation of God's love and presence. And so now, day by day, we have the certain hope that as we sail our ship through life, we are daily and steadily winching ourselves into the future because we're strongly tied to that anchor by the Holy Spirit. And God's promises keep us pulling on the chain toward the anchor who is Christ. And no storm can ever sever the tie. No storm can stop our kedging. We are getting closer to heaven. We will safely arrive in heaven's harbor because we have this hope. We have Jesus as our soul's anchor. Grace gives certainty for eternity. Resting in God's grace gives us abounding hope in Jesus that is stronger than fear. You see, this is real hope for your life. And you see, it doesn't matter where we are. Grace gives forgiveness, and we all need it desperately. Grace gives strength for today, and we all need it desperately. Grace gives certainty for eternity, 
and we all need it desperate. Let me just tell you, if you have got God's grace in Jesus, if you know that your sins are forgiven, that you have his presence and power, strength for today, and that you are headed to glory, and that you are kedging your way by the power of, of, of God's word and the power of his spirit toward your anchor who is already there in Christ, then you can have hope no matter what. In fact, hope will abound in you. It'll overflow out of you. This is real hope for our lives. And it's as certain as God himself because God who cannot lie has said it's true. George Bernard Shaw was an Irish playwright, critic, polemicist, and political activist. His influence on Western theater, culture, and politics extended from the 1880s to his death and beyond. He lived to be 94 years old. He's perhaps most renowned as a free thinker and liberal philosopher. But in some of his last writings, we read these words. The science to which I pin my faith is bankrupt. Its councils, which should have established the millennium, led instead directly to the suicide of Europe. I believed them once. In their name, I helped to destroy the faith of millions of worshipers in the temples of a thousand creeds. He was a, 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 an avowed atheist. And now they look at me and witness the great tragedy of an atheist who has lost his faith. How sad that this brilliant man had no hope. And in, in the end, he said, I've lived my life standing in my atheism. And when it's all said and done, everything I have believed, I've, I've lost my faith. I've lost my faith in no, no God. There is a God. But how wonderful it is that if you're here today and you have the simple faith of a child and you trust in Jesus for forgiveness, strength, and your eternity, you can have daily hope that is stronger than fear. Is it always easy to latch on to that hope? No. You've got to wrestle through the things we've talked, through to, talk, talked about today. You've got to remind yourself about that grace that gives forgiveness and what that forgiveness looks like. You've got to remind yourself that grace gives strength. You've got to remind yourself that grace gives certainty of eternity. Our greatest need every single day as believers, listen to me, is to preach the gospel to ourselves and be reminded of what we have in Christ. Because it is that same gospel that saved us one day, whenever that might have been. Brought us so much joy and peace and hope at that moment. It's that same gospel that we need today. That we might live in all joy and peace. With overflowing hope. Another song as we close. A song entitled, I Will Rise. It ties into the Hebrews 6 passage about Jesus being our anchor. There's a peace 
I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul. I can say it is well. Jesus has overcome. And the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead. And I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow. No more pain. I will rise on eagle's wings. Before my God, fall on my knees and rise. Do you have this hope? That song was... In her final weeks, my wife's, my wife Robin's favorite song. As soon as we got the news that she had 12 weeks to live, it was this song. And you who are here at East LJ in 2010 and opened, so graciously opened your church that we might have her sanctuary, her, her funeral right here in this sanctuary, I want to thank you. And as we gathered here, that song was sung. And we sang it. Though we grieved, we had hope. I will rise. I have an anchor for my soul. Do you have an anchor? Do you believe what God has said to you this morning? He's speaking to you. He wants you to overflow with hope. Now let me just tell you, you may overflow with hope through tears sometimes. You may not have a smile on your face, but you can still overflow with hope. Circumstances may be so hard that all you can do is cry, and yet your heart can still overflow with hope. You ever been there? It's real. God wants it for you. I want it for you. Resting in God's grace gives us abounding hope in Jesus that is stronger than fear. Let's pray together. Father, for your grace, we praise you. I thank you that your grace in Jesus gives us all joy and hope in believing and produces in us an overflowing hope. God, you do all of that. We can't muster hope. It is only your gospel truth that will inspire and sustain the hope that we need. God, you know what every single person under the sound of my voice is dealing with right now. And for some, it's rough. It is inexpressibly difficult. For some, it's been going on a long, long, long time. For some, it involves a loved one, and, and they feel helpless to do anything for that loved one. For others, it's circumstantial. For others, it's a loss of a loved one. Whatever it may be, oh God, thank you that your grace is sufficient. And I pray that you would help each of us to apply this truth so that our lives would be lived with overflowing hope. For you are worthy. I thank you that you are a good, good father. You want this for us. You've provided this for us. Help us now to walk in it. And oh God, I pray for any in the room or joining us via live stream who've yet to trust Jesus as Savior, who today are without God and without hope in this world. They have no hope, literally, and they have a hopeless eternity 
God, I pray that today they would come to Christ. They would come to the one who is offering them grace that, that, that brings forgiveness. Grace that will give strength. Grace that brings certainty about eternity. Even eternity in the presence of the Father. Draw them to yourself even now, we pray. And we ask all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we worship in song and close out our services. Altar's open for you to come and seek God's grace however you need that today. Maybe you need to know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Won't you come? I'll be right here at the front. Uh, the doors of our church are open to receive members any way we can. We just enjoyed a great uh, membership class over the last couple weeks. and uh, Maybe some, some of you who are in that would want to come um, join yourself to our church family today. However the Lord leads as we sing.
God's people said. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful song. You may be seated for just a moment.